the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, in this day and age, I mean, it's, it just floors me sometimes at how many uh, Christians uh, disagree with what we're supposed to be to believe as followers of Jesus that are plainly, script, scriptures plainly reveal. You know, it breaks my heart that, that we, we are um, rallying over things that we truly believe are not God's will or God's word. And yet, for the sake of, you know, just for the sake of peace, we kind of accept, you know, differences. Now, look, there are clear differences among many Christians in many other things. But there shouldn't be the absence of true fellowship in the body of Christ. There are things that we can disagree with at a, at a minor level, okay? Uh, and I don't have time to go through one of those secondary issues. But what's going to magnify the name of Jesus is how we rally behind truth. How we rally behind the, the, the glorifying of the name of Jesus in our testimony. Because that's what makes it pure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to be in fellowship with, with almost anyone who calls themselves Christians. Unless there isn't any love for Christ. And it starts with loving Jesus first. Loving His Word. How can we love each other if we don't love Jesus? Then we compromise. There's so much compromise. I can believe even, even, even in churches, evangelical churches, they're, 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 they're picking camps as to where they're going to stand on certain social issues. That shouldn't be. If we love Jesus, the Spirit of God will lead us to the right path of loving each other. And it has nothing to do with anything else. It has everything to do with uniting us together to what we know is the pure, unadulterated teachings of the Word of God. That's just true. Well, I'm not suggesting that you abandon your non-believing friends. I'm not suggesting that at all. But your first responsibility to your non-believing friends is to be a pure witness to them. Not to be their friend. You can be friendly. You can be friends with them. But your number one priority is to glorify the name of Jesus. And therefore, your witness and my witness has to be focused on that. I don't think that's hard to understand. I have a lot of non-believing friends. And my responsibility, as well as yours, is to make sure that they see Jesus. In the way I speak, in the way I conduct myself, in the way I live in the way I treat my children, in the way I treat my wife, in the way I, you know, I, I deal with my work, in everything else that I do. That's what it is to have a pure witness. I'm not talking about being perfect in front of them. They know you're not perfect, but they know if you love Jesus or you don't. You know. And that's really what it is. People don't expect us 
to be perfect as Christians. And I hope you're not trying to be perfect in front of people, but there could never be any doubt that you have a priority of glorifying the name of Jesus. That's why you're in fellowship. That's why you and I rub off each other when it comes to, rub off each other's uh, spirituality, whatever you call it, power, when it comes to that. So, I'm not saying you should abandon your, uh, your, your non-believing friends, but find opportunities to expose them to what the Christian life is really about, to who Jesus really is. Uh, you know, this coming year, you know, we plan to resurrect our, our uh, small group Bible studies. I have curriculums that I can share with you. I, I mean, I have my own Bible study group. You should start your own Bible study group. Invite your non-believing friends. Not just so that, not for any other reason, but to simply show them that, hey, this is how I live. This is, this is the priority I have in my life. And let the Lord take care of the rest. You don't have to go and, you know, annoy them to the kingdom. But you need to show. I need to show people that my allegiance as my loyalty doesn't rest on whether they accept me or not as a friend or whatever, but that they see that God loves them and that Jesus is the number one focus of my life. John 15 verse 19 says, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I don't think it's that. I mean, it's in the Bible. It, it, it doesn't get any clearer than that. I mean, this word hate in there means a rejection, a fundamental rejection. They don't understand it. There's a second critical aspect of our fellowship. Uh, with God and with one another. And that is not only does it uh, give a purity about witness, but secondly, it offers protection from the world. Fellowship gives us protection, offers protection from the world. The world is Satan's dominion, okay? It's this, this world is dominated by the devil, Okay, now the devil is not more powerful than God, and the devil is not more in control. But the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. He has dominion in this world right now. And what we need is protection from the world that is dominated by the devil. And that's why, look at the next verse. Jesus prayed for our protection. Okay, it says, um, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. Jesus prayed that we will be protected from the evil one. And that protection comes through fellowship. Now, I never thought about that before, you know. The reason why I assemble with God's people as often as I can, especially on Sunday, it's not only because it's a, it, it, it makes my witness pure, but it also protects me from the world. And that's, the, that, that, that's an important thing, I think, to every Christian. Jesus is, uh, the devil is the prince of this world, and he wields considerable power. 
That's why Jesus prayed for our protection from the world. Okay? Because the devil will attack the credibility of the gospel. And so we need protection from the devil. And, 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 and the devil's been at it. You ever wonder why in the Old Testament, you know, I, I, I always often thought about this. There's not a whole lot of mention of Satan and demons in the Old Testament. I don't know if you read your Bible, but it's just not. I, mean, I, can, I can maybe remember two instances. Uh, number one, when, uh, when Job uh, was harassed by, by the devil who went up to God and says, Hey, the reason why you're blessing this guy, this guy, the only reason why this guy is so righteous was because you're blessing him. Let me have my hand on him and he will curse you and all of that. And of course, we know the story. Job was blameless in the sight of God. And then the other time is when um, I, I could I can think of one other instance where there's uh, like uh, when King Saul uh, was harassed by a demon. You know, I mean, that's about the only two uh, reasons why, you know, the devil made an appearance or demons made an appearance in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it seemed to me like they were more active. Jesus was casting these guys out left and right in the New Testament, right? There's more mention of Satan in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. And you know why? Because the demons and the, the devil and his minions understood messianic prophecy, right? They knew that when the Messiah comes, they need to up their game. They needed to, <laughs> to counter because that would be the end of them. And that's why there's, there's a lot more of them in the New Testament because it's a, it's a testimony to the power and the glory of the Messiah, of the King, of Jesus. And you know what? They're still at it today. I mean, no, make no mistake about it. This is 2021. It's no, close to be 2022. And there are still demons and Satan is still active. Don't you even think that, that he doesn't exist anymore? And so many Christians that I talk to doesn't even believe in the devil anymore. Doesn't believe in demons anymore. We, they say we live in an age of scientific enlightenment. How could there be uh, demons and Satan and all of these things? How could you as a rational person be a Christian and believe in all of these things? I believe it because Jesus prayed that I'll be protected that you'll be protected from the evil one. If Jesus didn't believe that the evil one was more powerful than you and I, it's not more powerful than him, but it's more powerful than you and I. He wouldn't have prayed for us. So we need to think about that. And Jesus' prayer carries a lot of weight. He says, I pray that you do not take them out of the world. So we still live in the world. We're not taken out of the world. But that might be that we might be protected from the evil one, okay? And that happens through fellowship. We never ever should fight the devil by ourselves. That's why the, that's why we are a church, okay? Believe it or not, you know, belonging to a fellowship, belonging to a local body protects us from this world. We're not called to fight the devil alone. You know, most Teaching I hear these days is individualistic in nature. We are never taught to fight Satan as a group. I don't know. Do you realize that the devil should be fought not by individuals but by the church? <laughs> Why he's simply more powerful? When I say that, people can say, "Oh, you know, Jesus is greater. Is he that's in you? That's in the world." I've been taught that many, many times. 
Okay? In fact, there was a, when I was growing up, <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that I hear all the time. Hey, you're more powerful than the devil. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Then I got older. Then I realized that verse says something different. It says, greater is he. So the emphasis is he, not me. Okay? So when you read that, when I read that today, I say, greater is God. <laughs> I count for nothing. And Jesus prayed that we, we be protected from the evil one. Who's the we? You and I as a collective group of called out ones. The ecclesia, the church. Jesus prayed that the church will be protected from the evil one. Okay? So there's nothing wrong with, with being individualistic in our worship and our relationship with God, but we cannot be disconnected. We have to be in fellowship. It helps us overcome the world. It helps us overcome the devil. It helps us overcome temptation. Do you want somebody to pray with you when you're getting tempted? Of course you do. Don't you want somebody keeping, keep, keeping you honest, accountable? Sure. And that's all part of fellowship. We need to fight the devil as a group. Even the apostle Paul, even though he was mostly imprisoned and by himself, he never disconnected himself with the rest of the body of Christ. And that's the apostle Paul. He wrote these epistles, while many of them while he was in prison. The point is, even the greatest among us had to seek fellowship. The devil wants you alone. That's why he'll discourage you and I from being connected in a meaningful way to a body. But let me tell you something. You and I cannot handle the devil alone. I don't think so. Now, you may disagree, fine, but none of us are powerful enough to overcome the devil. And I know that's not popular to say because we're a highly individualistic society. We're highly, we put so much uh, on, on the individual and that zips into the church and we forget that we are as strong only as a collective group. Otherwise, Jesus would not have established the church. The church is his body, for heaven's sake. We cannot disconnect ourselves from that, okay? We're not commanded at all in the Bible to fight the devil alone. Only Jesus can do that, amen? I, I, I mention this all the time. Goliath represents the devil and the problems we have in this world. David represents Jesus. David doesn't represent you. The idea is for us to hide behind David, who is a picture of Jesus who beat Goliath. That's better theology than saying, I can, I can do this in my own power. I don't think so. I think there's something to be said about being in a collective group of people. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he did not baptize one individual. He baptized the church in power. So that's important for us to understand. And I'm not saying this because in, the day, in, this, in this era of the pandemic where people are being discouraged to come together, I want you to know you should discourage. God is greater than any pandemic. He's, he's more powerful than any pandemic. I'm not saying we don't protect ourselves. I'm not saying we do stupid things. I'm simply saying we should not lose heart because God is in charge of His church. He'll never abandon this church. He'll never abandon His church. He prays for his church. Maybe that's a good place to say amen. All right? How do we resist the devil? The Bible says we resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we resist him? By doing the things that the devil hates, okay? 
If you, if, you, if you want to fight the devil, if we as a church want to fight the devil, we got to keep doing the things he hates, okay? And what does he hate? He hates, number one, he hates fellowship. That's his number one problem. He hates God's people coming together to worship because we are stronger when we are together. He hates testimonies. Every time we open our mouths and testify to the greatness of God, the devil hates it. He hates when people pray for other people. He hates singing. He hated what we just did a few, few minutes ago. He hates singing praises to God. He hates that. He hates potlucks because people, that's people gets happy. And the last thing he wants is people coming to church and having a good time. Sermon bores him to death. So if you're getting bored right now, you're in good company with the devil. All right? I, I, okay, this will... <laughs> I realize I preach long. It, it, it's, and let me explain. You are the recipient of, of long sermons simply because we're six minutes on the radio and we want to save time by splitting the sermon into two. So one sermon gets two broadcasts, okay? So let's settle that. Please don't get bored, all right? There's a, there's a reason for this madness. I could preach a sermonette that's 15 minutes long, but sermonettes are good for Christianettes. <laughs> They're not good for anything else, all right? Well, you're, you're adults. You're maturing believers. You need to be able to hear these basic foundational truths and say, yes, I needed to be reminded of them. Amen? So don't get bored. If you get bored, Satan is nodding. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. Don't bring happiness to the devil. And there's a final critical point here this morning about the importance of fellowship, and that is perfection comes through the Word. Perfection comes through the Word. This is fellowship desires sanctification for us, okay? Fellowship helps us in the sanctification process. I realize that sanctification is an, an individual enterprise, but collectively, fellowship is a very powerful tool to sanctify us, to separate us for the glory of God. Look at verse 17, the final verse. Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Perfection or sanctification is a process through which God transforms us to the likeness of His, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins to change us. And fellowship is a big part of your transformation and mine into a growing and maturing children of God. God transforms us through His word, through prayer, through worship. But that transformation is validated by those who are in fellowship with Christ and with each other. Acts 20 verse 32 says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So this, this fellowship, helps the sanctification process. So if you're a Christian and you seem like you're not growing, it's time to get into a, a meaningful connectedness to fellowship. This coming year, we're going to encourage people to start sm small group again. Small groups again. We restart that. The pandemic has curtailed that, but now we're going to go back. Or we're going to go try and have that again um, actively because it's, it's good for fellowship. Amen? I mean, it helps. Uh, not to mention when there's food after the Bible study. Right? It's part of the sanctification process. And if I invite you to my home for fellowship, 
don't refuse it. You get a free lunch out of it. There's a reason why I do that. And not because I, I, wanna, I want you to see my house or anything like that. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not into that. I want to beat the world and the devil in any, any possible way I can, okay? Part of our sanctification process is to know each other so that we can urge each other on, okay? Do you know we, we have discipleship classes in our church, and many of you have attended that. We're going to have that again this coming year. If you get invited to that, just come. You'll enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, the devil is nodding. Okay? How does God use fellowship to sanctify us? A couple of things. Number one, acceptance. Fellowship gives us a sense of acceptance into the body of Christ, okay? This is done through baptism. So, if you had believed in Jesus, you need to be baptized because baptism along with communion, which we're going to do in a few minutes, are the only two ordinances that we practice in our church. What are ordinances? Ordinances are the normal things expected of all believers. Baptism should be normative to every follower of Jesus. You need to be baptized once, once you believe. And communion, Okay, Holy Communion is also normative. That means we practice communion as often as we possibly can. So please, uh, don't refuse those things because that's part of the sanctification process. Acceptance into the body of Christ. Okay? Uh, you, you cannot take communion by yourself, by the way. It's not good. And you cannot baptize yourself. You know how ridiculous that looks? I baptize you in the name of the Father. <laughs> it just doesn't work. All right? So, acceptance. Number two, activities. God uses fellowship so that we can serve God and each other through the activities that we do. We continue to gather for worship and prayer. We break bread and things like that. We volunteer to do certain things in the church. We volunteer to sing. We volunteer to help with whatever we need to help in the business issues of the church. All of those things matter because that's part of fellowship. That's part of our sanctification process. And we, we take that for granted and say, oh, this is just something that I do for the Lord and all of that. And we get so pious saying it. Hey, give yourself some credit because the, every time you do that, every time you volunteer to, some, to do something for the Lord, you're being sanctified in the process. And thirdly, accountability. God uses fellowship to hold us accountable. Amen? Accountable to what? To our own personal growth and maturity. We get beyond our spiritual state. We cannot get beyond our spiritual state without being urged on by those around us who will love us and tell us the truth. You know one thing I'm grateful for, for my life? Uh, are the people, especially my wife, who tells me the truth. You know, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's really true. Because we need people in our lives that will tell us, hey, you know, look, this is, this is not good. Whether we listen to them or not is a different issue, but fellowship brings that about. When, 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 you're, when you're struggling with something in your Christian life, please don't talk to your non-believing friends before you talk to people that are worshiping Jesus just like you are. Don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't go to, you know, you're struggling with your marriage. Don't talk to your friend who's been divorced five times. It just doesn't make any sense. Go talk to some people who knew how this thing worked and because they knew the Word of God. 
activities, acceptance, accountability. That's what fellowship does. Okay? Some of you are fighting battles in your life right now, and God knows you prayed. God knows you're worshiping. But we can only win our battles through our fellowship, first of all, with Christ and through our fellowship with each other. So that's a challenge for each and every one of us to rethink why we are here this morning, to rethink why we make an effort to be connected to the body of Christ. I hope that becomes a challenge to everybody as we prepare ourselves to commune together as a body. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.